this time next year. Written and read by Liz Hines. 15th of November, Saturday evening. Martin arrived early. I wasn't quite ready, but all the same, I didn't think my appearance warranted the look of horror he wore when I opened the door to him. He was holding out his arm towards me. Are these yours? he said. Between the tips of finger and thumb he held a pair of my knickers. They weren't even my new lacy ones, but my biggest M&S coveralls. Quick thinking was needed. I took them from him, studied them and said, Ah, uh, yes, where did you find them? Your dog just gave them to me. That explains it. He likes to carry something of mine around with him. And you give him your panties? No, of course I don't give them to him. He just takes whatever he happens to find lying around. Martin's eyebrows were just shooting up in disbelief, I assume, that anyone would ever leave knickers lying around. When Charlie came charging in through the back door, along the corridor and out the front door, and stuck his nose where dogs stick their noses. Charlie, don't do that! I grabbed his collar and tried to pull his head away, leaving a large blob of slobber on Martin's trousers. Oh, dear, here, let me wipe it for you. I suddenly realised that wiping a potential suitor's crotch with my knickers was probably not conducive to a future relationship. Um, perhaps you'd better do it. I, I seem to have made it worse. You never mentioned that you had a dog. And that's because I don't. Charlie! When I looked up from trying to drag Charlie's nose from Martin's crotch, I could see the bemusement in his eyes. He's not mine. I'm looking after him for a friend. She must be a very good friend. She is? What do you mean? For you to agree to look after something like that. Did you sneer then? When? When you said that. I wouldn't have called it a sneer. More an expression of distaste. Now, do you think you might shut him in the kitchen before he ruins any more of my clothes? I'll have you know that Charlie is a very friendly, highly intelligent and faithful companion. I am honoured to look after him, and I won't be shutting him in anywhere. It's only a bit of slobber, for goodness sake. Well, I'm certainly not prepared to stay here and be covered in dog saliva. He spat the words out, turned and marched down the path. He stopped when he got to the gate. I am very sorry about this, Alison. I had thought, dare I say hoped, that we could be more than friends. Even after the debacle in the vodka bar, I allowed you the benefit of the doubt, believing you were simply foolish and easily led by Nick and his friend. I see now I was the one who is misled. If you choose to put an animal, and not even your own animal, before me, then so be it. Good evening. I was so stunned I couldn't even come up with a caustic put-down. What a prat! I'm better off without him and I'm glad I found out in time. I should have guessed that he would be the kind of man who calls them panties. However, I'm now dressed up, almost, with nowhere to go. Pippa has her in-laws staying, so I can't call her. I could go to the local carvery. I could phone, book a table, enjoy my own company. That would show the Martins of this world. I am woman, I am me. 
I would appear sophisticated, choose wine to suit me. The waiter would give me some to taste. I'd swill it around my mouth. Hmm, a nice little Chardonnay, that'll do nicely. I'd enjoy a pleasant meal with just myself for company. But what would I look at while I was eating? And what would I do while I was waiting for the courses? Pretend to be interesting and mysterious with an enigmatic smile on my face, as if vastly amused by some inner musings? Or I could take a book. Now it'd be too dark and I'd need my glasses, thus spoiling the enigmatic image. I've bread in the pantry. I'll change into sloppy clothes, make beans on toast, Charlie loves the crusts, and then we'll curl up on the sofa together and watch Bridget Jones' diary again, and I can be grateful that I'm not as bad as her. In bed later. David invited me for tea this afternoon, so he must not think I am very dreadful. I am a source of entertainment, if nothing else. But now he thinks I had a date tonight, so he will be gentlemanly and back off. How can I tell him that I'm available? It's not the sort of thing one can drop into conversation easily, especially as most of our conversations take place within an office setting. I, young Mr Davies, can see you at ten o'clock, and by the way, I'm free. Although now I come to think of it, David seems to appear in the most unlikely places. Almost as if <gasps> he was stalking me. No, that's a stupid idea. He is a respectable psychiatrist, not a weirdo. But perhaps his work has turned his head. Or maybe he is using me as a subject for his research, like Pavlov's dog. But actually, things only happen to me when he is around, a fact which would disprove his findings and bring his name into disrepute. If he writes a paper about me, I shall tell everyone that it was all his fault. Later on, in bed. <gasps> David probably thinks my date was someone I met on singles night. And what did Martin mean by debacle in the vodka bar? He can't have been referring to anything I did. I was perfectly behaved as far as I can remember. 18th of November, Tuesday. Nick came rushing up to me when I arrived at dance class and made me promise to be his partner tonight. I was happy to agree. Martin nodded curtly at me. Good evening, Alison. I caught Rose and Jane giving each other a crafty nod. I was puzzled until we were dancing when Nick explained that Martin had told everyone that he had to cancel our date because of my erratic behaviour. My erratic behaviour? Oh, don't worry about it, lovey. You're far too good for him. But do tell. What did you do? I chose a dog over him. Nick clapped his hands together, earning himself a dirty look from Franco. Sorry, Frankie, sweetie. See, I'm doing it right now. Oh, but I'm on your side, Alice. What a wise choice. I mean, I know you're looking for a man, but you're not that desperate, surely. Hmm, I am, actually. 19th of November. I had a postcard from Bev. She is having a wonderful time. So good, we think we might stay for another week or two. Can you keep Charlie for us? She's joking, I think. I'm very fond of Charlie but it's not easy working all day and then coming home and making sure he gets enough exercise. 
I think I've lost weight, though. As well as one glove, two pairs of knickers, a tea towel, a cushion from the sofa and four spoons. It's the possible location of the spoons that is causing me most concern. I don't think he could have eaten them, but the uncertainty is causing me sleepless nights. I did wonder if I should ask the vet, but then she will think I am a terrible person who shouldn't be left in charge of an animal. She might even report me to the RSPCA. I shall just watch out for any abnormality in Charlie's pooing pattern. 20th of November Mum and Dad called in this evening on their way home from late night shopping at M&S. I made them a cup of tea, but insisted they sat in the kitchen to drink it. I have to watch Charlie. I think he's about to poo. Oh, really, Alison? I don't wish to know that. Mum sniffed into her teacup. Why are you watching him, love? Is there a problem? I think he might have eaten some spoons, and I want to make sure he's not having trouble pooing, that's all. What on earth are you doing giving him spoons? I didn't give them to him, Mum. I was drying the dishes when the phone rang. I remember having some spoons in my hand, and I must have put them down and they disappeared, along with the tea towel. He wouldn't have eaten them, surely, love, Dad said. Oh, he's eaten things before. Oh, wait, look, he's pooing. He doesn't seem to be having any trouble. There, he's finished. I'll just go out and check. Charlie's poo was fine and spoonless. Perhaps they will just stay inside him forever. I must casually suggest to Bev that she should never consider taking him on a plane. He could set off an international security alert if he went through the metal detector. Mum wanted to show me the jumper she has bought for Chloe for Christmas. Do you think she will like it? I don't know, Mum. I stopped trying to buy clothes for her years ago. Well, she can change it if she doesn't. That's the beauty of Mark's. Now that's me finished. What do you mean, me finished? My shopping. What, your Christmas shopping? Yes, I just have to pack the few I bought tonight and I'll be all ready for Christmas. I wrote my cards last weekend, except for Mrs Harris. You know Mrs Harris, bad feet and green felt hat. I won't write hers yet. From what Joyce tells me, she might not make it to December, let alone Christmas. But apart from her, I've done them all, except Brenda and Tom, and I'm not sending them one. Not after all that nonsense with the lawn mower. Bill, have you drunk your tea yet? Hurry up, we can't stay here all night. I've got things to do. Mum is very sensible being so organised. I should aim to be more like her. In that respect, anyway. But there is still plenty of time before Christmas. I don't need to panic for ages yet. 21st of November Philip, one of young Mr D's regulars, was in this morning. He was early and he perched on the edge of my desk as he told me about his holiday. he just returned from cycling through the Andes. Last year he walked the Great Wall of China. Before his divorce it was Tenerife every year, but his wife got their timeshare as part of the settlement. He is pleased. It has released him to do the things he has always wanted to do. Don't you feel like that, Alison, he said. Now you're free of your husband and the shackles are gone. You can be exactly who you want to be, who you were intended to be. The world is your holiday camp. Oh, definitely, I said. So have you been on holiday this year? Yes. And where did you go? Um, Tenby. Oh, don't be embarrassed. There's nothing wrong with Tenby. When you're a free spirit like we are, you'll make of a place what you want to. I'm telling you, Alison, divorce is the best thing that's ever happened to me. 
Not that I would object to finding another soul to share my pleasure with. Just then, young Mr D buzzed to ask me to send Philip in. But before I could do so, he leaned across the desk. Would you look into my eyes and tell me something, Alison? Uh, yes, I suppose so. He brought his face even closer to mine. Does my right eye look pussy to you? I've checked all of Charlie's poos and no spoons have appeared. Bev is back tomorrow. I think Charlie has enjoyed his stay here. We have bonded. I will miss him when he goes and would like to think that he will be torn when he realises he has to leave. 22nd of November, Saturday. I was sorting out the dirty washing basket when I came across a tea towel rolled around four spoons. I have no recollection of putting it there. At least now I do not have to confess to Bev what a neglectful woman she left her dog with. Later. The house feels very empty without Charlie. He was very pleased to see Bev and did not even give me a backward glance as he left. He is a typical male. Takes what he wants, uses it and then leaves without a thank you for having me. I'm not going to be depressed just because a dog didn't say goodbye. I'll see if there's something on television to cheer me up. Later again. It was a choice between Animal Hospital and Turner and Hooch. I decided to watch the film, and it wasn't the best decision I've ever made. It should be against the law for animals to die in films. It's one thing human beings getting brutally killed, quite another when it's a poor, innocent, brave, heroic dog. Pippa called to ask if I have received the books I ordered from the book club. She had hers today. I had forgotten that we had both joined. A parcel of free books. That's something to look forward to, especially as I've nearly finished my current read. Very late in bed. No one has ever called me Cupcake. Most especially no one in the form of a six-foot-two-inch, lean-bodied Italian-American cop called Joe. I don't suppose anyone ever will now. I must resign myself to that fact. I should be grateful instead that Brian, on occasion, called me his little treacle pudding. I can't recall the occasion now, but I'm sure it was well meant. I'll be glad when the free books arrive. Pippa was delighted with her books. The True Story of a Rape Victim, the latest volume from the Poet Laureate, and an in-depth analysis of the psychological effects of social inclusion. I can't remember what I ordered, but I am sure they are more worthy than stories about American female bounty hunters. <laughs>